you know, we all told her and her friends, it's like, please, you need to leave that relationship because one day he's going to kill you. And eventually that's what happened. He killed her and um, she left a baby girl behind. My niece was only a year and a half. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. So... If you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there, as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some Excel blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast as you guys are now part of my family and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so, so much for tuning in to a very, very special episode of Find Your Voice today. Today, I have a conversation I was actually quite anxious and nervous about. And we actually shared a lot of this story for, I think we spoke for like two hours prior to actually recording. And I walked away with shivers. I walked away with tears. I walked away with happiness, gratitude. It was like an overwhelm of emotions, thinking, how can one person have gone through so much yet still stand here today? doing what she's doing and you know Diana is nothing short in my eyes of like almost like a superhero and I mean that like sincerely she's a woman who's overcome multiple battles of adversity throughout her life yet she still continues as you're going to see in this episode and if you follow her after this that she just shines brightness and she's got this like infectious positive energy about her as well which I absolutely love and it inspires me so so much more than you know and it's definitely in my opinion going to inspire many thousands of people listening to this episode so I'm truly grateful to have you on the show once again Diana welcome to the show uh, thank you so much for having me and I feel really honored to be here um as I said to you stories are our foundation for our, our identity and I think true stories and true hardships we can um share what we can endure as humans because we just don't know what we can endure until we actually go through um so you know for example if you see so many amazing people um you see some people out there that have gone through so many difficulties and a lot of adversity but those people are the ones who are wise kind and brave with their lives and yeah, that's why I believe we really need to share our stories because there's so much value in them. Um, you know, it's like, as I was saying to you earlier, we are going through all this suffering and we have all this way in with us because we are 
just numbing our emotions and that happened to me how I developed different illnesses and mental and um, you know like lots of mental blockages and and anxiety and PTSD because I was afraid to face my um, emotions and you know our emotions are actually it's like the feedback or the end product of our past experiences and when we don't deal with them in a in a way through therapy or you know doing some sort of healing we turn into trauma that can last you know for the rest of your life so yeah that's why um i have decided to go into this healing journey because you know, even though I've been through so many difficulties, I I was aware that I deserve to live a happy life and a fulfilled life. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you one hundred percent and as everyone does, deserves to live a happy and fulfilled life. And you mentioned yes. something right at the beginning of that in terms of we realise, especially through adversity, how much a human being can endure. And I believe obviously through only my experiences and the life that I've lived that I've had to go through a lot of adversity. But what I find remarkable is when I hear people like yourself and other guests that we've had on the show, I scratch my head and think, how do you cope? When I listen to your story and what we're about to share now with the listeners, it's almost like a trilogy. Well, actually more than that of stuff you see on Netflix or stuff you see on the movies where it's like, how many bad things can one person experience in life yet still look you're smiling now yet still shine this brightness <laughs> and endure and overcome and you said you said it beautifully that it teaches those people who come out of it they're, they're wise they're kinder they're braver and this is everything I see in you so what I want to do is in your own time in your own way tell us about your journey and this journey through what you've been through and then also the healing process because it truly is one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. So over to you. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm originally from Colombia, Medellin. Um, and uh, I grew up in a very unsafe environment. So I grew up like half an hour away from Medellin in this town called Bello. And this place is very well known for the Sicarios. Um, you know, it's still quite unsafe. But on top of that, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, even though I grew up with my dad and my mom. I grew up very exposed to drug abuse, to um, to alcohol, to domestic violence. And, you know, like previously I was sharing with you uh, one of the experiences that I faced that one day on my way to school, um, I I would I would go to school like an hour away from where I lived, and on my way to school, I um I went to pick up my friend, and I witnessed um at the time that was like we're talking about nineties, where um that's when Pablo Escobar decided to eighties and nineties where he um would do lots of terrorist attacks and so where I lived there was a lot of guns 
so one that morning I remember walking to my friend's house and I saw this terrorist attack where this guy blow himself up and you know you would see like pieces of dead body so that was a very unsafe environment that lately in life you know I still had to tell myself that I'm safe because you don't really know how things or how you grow up it until you compare it to something else you know how bad is how you grow up until you compare it to something else so you know yes it was really unsafe I got to see quite a lot of dead bodies like because there was a lot of guns and and even though the neighborhood where I live wasn't too bad for some reason, because it was the main road, the police will chase, so between guns, they will chase each other and they will kill them, them in front of my house. So yeah, it's, it's not something that you learn to know that is safe and good to go out with. Um, so yeah, from an early age, I was exposed to a lot of things. Um, my brother, thank God, last year finally, um, after many tries of um, being into rehab, he finally um, came out from drugs. Um, now he's 40. So yeah, it's something that I'm so pleased. It's like one of those miracles, I call it. And one of my proudest moments because, you know, when someone has been through rehab and, you know, comes home and steals everything, is is you start to losing hope. But, you know, in reality, you should not give up hope on those you love. However, sometimes you do have to. But sometimes miracles can happen. Um, and then, um, you know, my mom was the bet, the, the bread earner, so she was constantly working, uh, but she was, she was very depressed, you know, she was, my mom was a very depressed person and at, not, at daytime she was a workaholic and at nighttime she was an alcoholic and that was the way for her to cope. Uh, with you know the pressure of having we were four children plus my dad who was like 10 years younger so she took all that responsibility on her and on weekends she would go and look after my grandma who was who suffered from dementia um so we grew up with no boundaries with no limits with you know like my brother and sister will fight really heavily like you know, not a good way to see your brothers, you know, like quite strong. So, you know, um, um, because I grew up in a very alcoholic environment, I ended up twice in hospital for being overdosed. Um, I was two years old, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and there was like a bottle of alcohol just around and I drank it and yeah, ended up in hospital. And, and then the other time was when I was 11 and, uh, and my family went away and they left me behind and I was, you know, because I would see my parents drinking constantly. I just said, well, I'm bored and upset. I'm just going to drink. 
and I ended up in hospital again. Um, I think that was a lesson. Now I uh, I'm not a very heavy drinker. Well, I rarely drink, so that was a good lesson for me. Um, when I was like two um like two months away from turning fifteen, um, I know at seventeen my sister gets pregnant, um, so she becomes a single mother. And this is a massive issue in Colombia. You know, 80% of mothers in Colombia are single mothers, which is extremely high. Um, and, you know, I've been doing like some um, thinking why this happens. And, you know, it's like, it's because we don't have strong family foundations, you know, and like, for example, my two brothers had two kids and I had more to do with their kids than themselves. So it is really upsetting that children are growing up without their parents because I think that, like for me, my dad is, um, even though we, you know, I don't agree with many things that he does, he is a very strong role model for me and we had a really strong connection. So it's really upset that, you know, men don't really understand the struggles and the psychological effect it has on on a child. Um, after that, when my sister was 19, she, she got into a really toxic relationship. And she got into a relationship with this guy who wasn't the dad of my niece. Um, and they started like hitting each other and she will come home with a blue eye and he will come home and if she wasn't home, he was extremely jealous. So he will come looking for her and he will treat us with a gun. So it was quite extreme. It was really extreme. And, you know, we all told her and her friends it's like please you need to leave that relationship because one day he's gonna kill you and eventually that's what happened he killed her and um, she left a baby girl behind my niece was only a year and a half um and that was really traumatic for me because um, I used to share the same room with my sister. We used to share clothes, even though she was five years older. We had a really close relationship. So that was quite a shock for me. I never did any type of therapy on that. I just carry on with my life. Um, but it was really frustrating that in a country like Colombia, um, there's no such a thing as justice. And the guy who killed my sister, he said that she killed herself. They even just, they, they took his word for granted. They didn't do any investigation. Um, so that's how it ended up. Like in the, in the report, he said that my sister killed herself. When in reality, after a while, we found out that he bribed the the jury. Um, so that's how things work in a place like Colombia, and it's really upsetting. 
However, I do believe in in the divine justice or call it karma, however you want to call it. And a year later, the guy killed himself because I guess, you know, like having the pressure of taking someone's life must be like really heavy on your conscience. So yeah, after a while we found out that he killed himself and and I was really upset. You know, it's like you get to a level of forgiveness that you you feel sad that someone, you know, I can imagine the pressure that the guy must have been to had to been taking his life. So yeah. Um and then um, you know, I I never got to celebrate my sweet 16 in Colombia, sweet 15. So, but anyway, um, you know, I, it was, it was just very traumatic for me that with my sister and, and it's something that I still struggled with. However, I understand that that's the way life works and, and it's something that you cannot do about that sometimes things will happen in your life where you're not responsible for them and some people will cause you so much pain and so much anger but it's your responsibility how you respond to them so you know I've just been doing Lots of therapy and, you know, trying to think in a, in a way that sometimes I wonder how her life would be and my life and my niece's life would be and our family life. But I still, I just try to look the bright side that she gave me the opportunity to be the guy and the mother for her daughter. So anyway, when I turn 18, I met my ex-husband. He was living here in the UK and he was born here from Colombian parents. And uh, we met and, you know, eventually I moved to England when I was 19. And, you know, I lived with my family and all my friends and I, I was really excited because I had a very curious personality, but it was quite a shock because I moved to a country where I couldn't speak a word. So you feel quite ignorant. Um, and you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you feel really vulnerable and, and it was really a big struggle when you come from a country like lovely weather in like Medellin is known for his um, amazing weather. It's called the city of the eternal springs. So it's always like 28, 29. And then I came in in October. So in two, on the 10th of October, it's going to be 15 years since I first moved to the UK. So yay. <laughs> um, and it was quite a shock because... Um, my first job was like doing cleaning. Uh, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning to go and do some cleaning jobs. And, and then one day I, I went to the post office to send a letter to my parents 
And at the time, there was no Zoom or, you know, Skype or any of that. Um, so I would send a letter to my parents and I went to the post office and I went to the counter and I was in my extremely non-existent English and broken. I was trying to explain to the guy that I wanted to send this to Colombia, blah, blah, blah. And he tricked, he tricked me in a way that I felt really, really upset and 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 I felt very ignorant and and I felt like you know it's like I can't I can't do this so that really gave me the determination to learn English so after my cleaning job I would go and study English um so yeah that is um and I stayed there in that job for like seven years because I was really afraid to challenge myself to do something else. I couldn't have the confidence. Uh, I lack a lot of confidence at that time. So, yeah, I stayed there for seven years, really, really unhappy with it. Um, but, you know, it was just an opportunity for me to be able to bring my niece over. So when I went to Colombia, um, I went to visit my mom and she was quite sick. Um, and I saw the environment that my niece was growing up, which she was like surrounded by my brothers. They would confront each other really uh, violent and, you know, with drug ab abuse. And, and I said, well, this is not a place for a child because again, my mom didn't have that set of boundaries that you need when you raise a child so I brought her with me with the help of my ex-husband so we adopted her and she was nine she already had mine of her own it was quite challenging I was I think like 22 at the time so I still was still quite young um but anyway I, I said I really need to do something for this child um and uh, yeah, well, um, she's been with me, um, and, and then in 2011, my mom came to visit me here in London, and uh, with my hard-earned money, we raised, well, I raised some, I saved some money, and I took her to Italy. And we had an amazing time together. It was a really good time to bone. Like we had really good bonding time because before she was always busy. She would always have someone looking after us. So we never, I can't recall a day where we sat all together as a family or we went on a trip together. I can't. There was always, she was working or she was drunk or you know so there was never affection and the way she showed affection was by providing but when I moved to England we started having a much closer relationship which was really nice and and that's something that I feel really happy with because it has given me peace of mind the relationship that I was able to build with her. So when we went to Italy, um, 
we have, as I say, an amazing time. And when we got to um, to Benny's, she said to me, it's like after visiting this place, I can die. And pretty much she did. After we came back from the tree, we found out that she had cancer. She had stage four lung cancer. And, um, and she went back to Colombia and my dad was looking after her. But it was really hard for my dad to look after her because she went into hospital and she didn't leave. So she had to stay hospitalized for a long time. Um, and I had to leave everything here and just rushed to Colombia and help my dad to look after my mom in hospital. At the time, I was doing my foundation course to become a nurse. And, you know, spending that time with my mom, apart from being priceless, um, it made me realize that nursing wasn't the thing I wanted to do with my life. So that was something good. Uh, but on top of that, it was it was really sad that my mom was in the hospital and they would say, oh, are you an only child when I had two more brothers that never cared for her? So, you know, but I was very pleased to have the opportunity to go and be with her. Eventually, she passed away. Um, and, and that was really upsetting. I, and, you know, she didn't want to have chemo or any of that. And I pretty much forced her to have it done because I wanted her to be with us. And I mean, if I had known what I know now, I would have never forced her to that, but you know, I don't feel guilty or any of that because, of course, I was talking from a place of love and desperation to keep the person that you love the most alive, even though you see this transition of, you know, her body turning into nothing and so much suffering. So... Yeah, I I think cancer is a really cruel and an illness that you don't want even your worst enemy enemy to suffer from. Um, but finally, she after a year, of, you know, going through so much, she died, and I came back to England, and. I had a really bad car accident that same year. And those two defining moments after losing my mom and almost losing my life, I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? It was like I was on my way to my cleaning jobs. And, you know, I would have to walk to, I would do like five different offices at night time and I would walk and it was mega windy and super rainy, very cold November day, I remember. And I, you know, I got to a point that I couldn't start crying. And then I realized that when my mom died, it's in her death that I started seeing all these teachings from her life. I started seeing 
how depressed she was and how she gave so much for others and never cared for herself. So for me, it was like an eye-opening, like, what are you doing with your life? If you're not happy where you are, what are you doing? So that's where I started listening more to myself and, and really paying attention on how I was feeling. That year, I decided to leave my marriage because we hardly see each other. I was not really happy and I was desperate to leave. So I went back to Colombia with my child because at that time I had my niece with me. And, you know, I, soon after I met this guy, I started dating this guy and I went into, I, I was very unstable. Like my mind was really um, not in a good place. I was super depressed. And I don't know if I'm sure many people can identify that when you used to being always with someone, you you're afraid to be alone. So after I left my marriage, I jumped into a very, like a, a relationship straight away. And it was with a really, like eventually I found out that this person was very toxic and I was stuck in this relationship with this really abusive person. And I was so afraid of him. It's like, chef, from bad, I went to worse. So how can this be? And I always been very afraid of confrontation and this that's something I'm working on because I think confrontation is really important in our lives if you know how to do it, you know, informed way or healthy way. Confrontation is actually healthy for us. So when when I was in this relationship, I was with this really abusive person that was like making me super insecure. Um, I, I was, I became jealous. I became someone that I couldn't recognize myself. And I remember once I decided to do that for myself and speak and confront. And he became extremely violent and he started throwing stuff around and I was, I became so afraid. And then all the flashes from what happened with my sister came back and I said, what the hell am I doing? Am I going to be the next one? It's like, are you not learning to what happened to your sister? So I I decided to, you know, to just, he went away and I just picked up my stuff, my girl, and left again. And, uh, and this time it's like, shit, I was, what am I doing with my life? I left someone who looked like a good husband for a really, um, you know, a very violent person. So I was really lost. I was so lost. Uh, I That's when I decided to start doing some therapy. And it's funny because um, my niece was going through a very rebellious patch, teenage years. and. I took her to a psychoanalyst and I said, you know, we sat together and, and then he said, well, actually you are the one who needs therapy. 
because you know it's like we always try to show up to be really strong and because i i've been having to be the man of my family because my dad is is way too good he just doesn't have the balls to make hard decisions or to have hard conversations you know it's like I would remember that the only way my mom could talk to him was through letters. And, you know, it's like they never had this communication whatsoever. That's why it has something that has become very important in my life with my friendships, with my business, with my relations. It's like communication is right at the top of next to trust because communication is vital and you know it's like also boundaries boundaries are you need to have boundaries and sure if my sister would have grown with boundaries she probably would not be dead so all these things we you know we really need to to understand that probably we don't like them at the beginning but the necessary for your survival so after that, um, I said to my dad and I started having regrets and leaving my ex-husband and stuff like that. And I said to my dad, dad, I want to go back to England because in Colombia, if you don't have good studies or if you don't know the right people, there's no opportunities to grow and to have a good job. So I, I said, well, I, I started working as a student consultant to send students to study abroad. And I realized that actually my English was quite good. I, I realized that um, I, I really like engaging with people in a very real and authentic way. Um, and that gave me confidence. So I said, well, I'm going to spend all my savings and I'm going to go and study. And if I need to make a loan to pay for the rest, anyway, I decided to do that. But I said to my dad, I'm going to take Valentina with me. Valentina is my niece. And when I said that to my dad, and I also expressed to him that I have the desire of maybe going back to my ears and he said to me well if you're gonna do that I'm not gonna let you take Valentina with you and I said why and then he told me because he abused Valentina sexually abused and I was like what it's like <sighs> it was a moment like when something dropped really heavy in your head and it just crushed you. And, uh, you know, she, she was living with me and I never saw anything. She never expressed anything to me. She never told me anything. Um, and I started to, like, after a little while, because I still struggle with confrontation, I was so afraid to ask her because the person I lived for seven years, I would realize that he was a 
you know, like a child abuser. And I couldn't deal with that. So I, I confronted her. And, and because she was very young and it was like his first love, they created this lie around it. And she told me, she told me a lie. And then I, I just put it under the carpet. You know, I couldn't face it. I couldn't face going more deep into it. And I come to England. I came back to England. I was homeless. And I, I had to go and live with my friend for three months. So I'm so grateful to her because then to her, I was able to start my life again. So if all guy ever listened to it, I'm so grateful to her and her family that just took me under her wing. And, and yeah, I started doing my studies in management. And anyway, just to cut the story short, um, after I started with my life here, um, the plan was to go back to Colombia. But then I started, when I came back, I said, I'm not going to do cleaning. I'm made for more than that. I deserve more. So I started selling like jewelry. I would go to the Latin shopping centers and sell selling jewelry and, you know, like selling secondhand stuff on eBay. Um, and, uh, and then um, I started my own holistic practice because before I was, I, I worked, oh, I trained. In a, in a place where they asked me if I, I wanted to work there. And I started doing my holistic treatments. So at the time I was more independent and I had better quality of life. I was living in a more safe environment because before, when I first came back, I was living around like Tekan and Elephant and Castle. And it's really unsafe when you work at nighttime. I mean, they truck. They tried to mark me twice. They stole my phone once. So, yeah, I was all the time very unsafe environment. So I definitely made sure that I wasn't living there. So um, I moved to North London. Anyway, I started doing my, my thing and I saw that I had opportunity to do something here because this is a great place if you have the willingness and the right mindset and the clarity England or the UK is a place of opportunities so I started um, with my own practice and then one day I called my younger brother for his birthday and he told me like you really need to come and get Valentina because when I came to do my studies I left her with my dad and she just you know, she she became into this really rebellious person and she left home and we couldn't communicate with her. And then we found out that she was living in like really rough places and she we found out that she was selling drugs. She became a drug addict as well. And, you know, I was like, Oh my God, I love her again. More drug addiction. <laughs> it's like it's been like a shadow in our family. So I I flew back to Colombia. And, um, and I went to visit my mom in the cemetery 
and I was with my dad. And at that time, we didn't know where she was. We couldn't get hold of her. And I remember that my dad was like praying in my mom's like when we were in the cemetery when we were visiting her. And he was really praying with such a devotion and he was like really asking her to help us out um, with this situation because she was in a really bad shape, you know, like shape, like really bad. And and then eventually when he finished his pray, his prayer, she called him like from nowhere. And it was so amazing to see. And that's, you know, I'm not, I used to be, I grew up in a religious family and more of a spiritual person now. Um, and, and that really made me believe that miracles do exist because this was a miracle. So straight away, we asked her to meet with us because that was my main trip to Colombia was to go and see her and see if she wanted my help because she completely shut down the whole family. You know, she was in a really dark place. Um, and, you know, when, when I met with her, she was super skinny, she would stink of weed, she was full of you know, like you could see that she was in a no good place. And, you know, I talked to her and when she saw me, she started crying straight away. And, and I said to her, do you want to take my hand? Do you want my help? You just need to, you know, to decide. And, you know, she said to me, yes, I asked her, do you owe anyone's money or do you have any sort of drugs? Because she was selling drugs in the streets of Medellin, which is really extremely dangerous. We had to leave the city because they were looking for her. It was quite a super moment, to be honest. And, and I had to leave for a rehab place so I could bring her over. Um, eventually we could, um, we, we came back to the UK, we started again, I started looking for, um, guidance and I started looking for like a psych, um, someone who can help her with, um, the rehab and, and psychologically, um, because, you know, it's like, I understand that. She has not been only sexually abused, but she never knew who her father was. And, you know, she never got to meet her mother and my sister dying the way she did. So it's a lot of to cope. So I do understand that she was in a really dark patch of her life. And, and I needed to be there for her. You know, she... She needed someone to guide her with love and compassion and and to for her to feel safe. So I did a course for parenting because you know, like if she was rebellious before now, oh my god, and I was living in this studio flat and the two of us and I would work from 
from home. So it was quite challenging how to manage the whole situation and, you know, the drug addiction, the anxiety, the depression she was going through. So it was quite a lot for me to take as a single mother because then I became a single mother as well. Um, after that, um, she went, and I'm really grateful, I'm so grateful to this country because it has been such a support. And at the time, I was living in South Kensington. Um, so we had the support of the Kensington and um, Chelsea Borough. Um, and they were amazing with the support. She, they helped her with uh, social workers, psychologists, key workers. It's, I can't recall how important the support of this council has been for her. Um, so anyway, she is in a much better place. Um, but after um, like two years ago, she came back to me and, uh, you know, she said to me, Auntie, I really need to confess something to you. And she told me how things happened with my ex-husband and how she's been sexually abused twice before. And sexual abuse in Colombia is so bad. It's like, it's crazy. And the worst thing is that they just ignore it. And it's, most of the time, it is done by the same family. And, and people are not talking about this, and people are just putting it under the carpet. And that's what I did when she told me, because I couldn't face it again, because now she confirmed to me that actually what happened. And it's like, I say, I can't take all this. I can't. So. I completely ignore it, and and you know I was like just telling her, like let's do some therapy, uh, but I wasn't really paying attention to what she was telling me, because I was so afraid to face that the person I trusted so bad had been able to take advantage. Like, you know, it's like I was living a double life and I never realized. And when I decided to leave him, everyone judged me so bad. And that's why it's like now I'm so grateful. Like, I so appreciate the universe for giving me this gift of having the guts to walk away without even knowing. And eventually you realize and you connect the dots that what seems really bad at the beginning and what people make you believe that you're an evil person that left the perfect husband, you realize that in reality it was a blessing. So, you know, during lockdown, it has been like the Pandora box has been open. And my niece, like she, last year she was like with lots of suicidal thoughts, with extremely depression. So I was, I was diagnosed with PTSD and all these things, like anxiety and um, fear. I was all this time with fear. Um, 
I'm extremely hyper. As you can see, I move a lot. Um, and, you know, it's like I was constantly having these PTSD thoughts, like, you know, of all these things that ha happened to me and what happened to her. So it kind of triggered all of this. So we, um, we decided to start looking at taking some uh, legal action, but then we realized that with sexual abuse, the person is being treated as the perpetrator in reality. And I said to her, are you sure you want to go through all these things? So we, we started like going into these um, therapies and I found someone who's an expert in sexual abuse and I started exploring emotional freedom technique, which has been a lifesaver for me. It's like I constantly had something in my throat, like this really heavy knot holding me and I would get lots of migraine, migraines and and when I started doing more transcendental type of therapy, it really, you know, it's like when you realize that you are responsible of how you react to everything that happens to you, it's quite liberating because you lift all this weight from you. And you know, I it has taken me. It has taken time for her to realize also this. Um, and she was in a really dark place, and it's like I want to go to the police and I want to do that. But I always had taken a step back, and I like I like putting things into perspective and see what is the most healthy way of doing things because I know when you've been sexually abused, you have to give so much detail. So you go through the trauma. It's like when you tell the story so many times, it just get embedded in your head and you keep going through the same trauma time and time over. So, you know, it, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. And, you know, I, I just seen that adversity and the way now I see adversity is like I have learned to embrace it because when you go through so many hardships and sad things, you need to learn to see the positive in the negative. And, you know, it's like adversity can bring the worst in you or it can be the foundation to your success and to your self-development. And that's what I decided to do with all these difficulties in my life. You know, they can be the stepping stone for your growth and for evolving and for, you know, like I, I have decided to live a life of gratitude because even though I've been through, even though I've been through a lot of adversity and hardship, in my life, as painful as it has been, they all were these experiences that were, it may seem all these experiences were meaningless because they were necessary to build the character I have now and to build the mental maturity I needed and the resilience to make better choices and to envision the life I wanted for myself 
to create this future because the way you act, the way you think, the way you behave, they shape the future you have. And when we can break from the chains of our past emotions, you can build your future the way you want because this time is up to you. No, no, it's up to, because if you keep living in the past, you keep giving these people that has caused you so much pain, the power. So you need to take charge of your life. And yeah, you know, it's, it's been quite a journey. And 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 I I've been I've been living with so much fear in my life, you know. But I have learned through all this journey of trying to heal myself with different ways, um that you really realize that because unknown is uncertainty but the best way to beat all this fear and uncertainty is to create your own future and that's so important to be aware who you let yourself be around with and the things that you think the things that you listen to the things that you watch how you act how you feel because all those things again shape your future so you know i'm just constantly looking how i can rewire my brain to let all these things in the past and for me the things that really help me to heal is to first of all be willing to heal because you really need to have this willingness to accept that the things that ha happened to you, even though they weren't your fault, as I said at the beginning, you need to be responsible, responsible of how you respond to them and what to do around them. And, and to understand that life is not just, you know, like you need to believe in karma and when you are a good person and you do good things, more good will come to you and that's why i decided to live a life of service i want to be able to help others and you know to share my story for as hard as it is i, I want to raise a voice of to say that sexual abuse is not okay to anxiety and trauma is part of life and you need to learn to deal with them and to cope with them and to see positivity in everything you do. You know, it's like when I knock something down, I would, before I would just swear and now, okay, I'm working on my patience. I'm working on my patience. So, you know, it's, it's just a learning process where you need to learn to forgive. I had to learn to forgive the guy who killed my sister. I have to learn to forgive the guy who betrayed me in such a disgusting way. Uh, and you have to constantly, you know, forgive those people that hurt you so much because when you live in a resentful way and when you have all this negative, I can see it in my knees because she was completely like, 
a one revenge he is so happy and so unhappy and you know when we tend to blame everyone for all our uh, misfortunes and and the only person that you're hurting is yourself because you're poisoning yourself with all this hatred and all this negativity that you know is is not sustainable and it's not healthy so you know, I, I just said that don't be afraid to ask for help. Just look for someone that you feel safe with and ask for help because when you ask for help, it doesn't mean that you are, well, you're being vulnerable, but you're being brave and you're going to know failure if you're brave with your life. And and that's why it's very important to be in a safe environment because you cannot take criticism and feedback from people who are not being brave with their lives. And there's so many people that they can just say and criticize, but in reality, they are not doing what you are trying to do. So just be very mindful of the kind of people that you let in into your life and try to, you know, I, I, always try to concentrate on like good energy and be appreciative for the smallest thing. And when you live your life with gratitude, it's life changing because you attract all these beautiful energy and all these beautiful beings. And, you know, you get to experience like beautiful things in your life when you change your vision and you just stay those negative vibes from your eyes and your heart so yeah there's a there's a quote and i can't remember the exact quote but it is that we find meaning of our lives or our purpose through adversity or through service and um i think one of the things i try and do on find your voice is not to shy away from adversity and now your adversity as everyone's just heard there i don't know he's still smiling i don't know he's still shining but it just shows the important fundamentals of what you touched on, like the forgiveness, the healing through the trauma and the seeing the positives of everything is so, so important because you can come out on the other side like yourself. Mine could be as simple as anxiety. Somebody else watching this could be as simple as an OCD or it could be as severe as depression. It could be whatever it is for anyone. But one of the things I really want to do in this show is give people hope. Give people hope. We can't lose hope in this world. Otherwise, I feel we almost we lose everything. You know, um, and I wish you nothing more in the world than to get everything that you've dreamed of and everything. I think you've had more adversity than you than anyone deserves. And I'm just praying for you that everything now you're manifesting. I think you're in a great place. I can hear this in your words. There are so many books I've been reading over the years, so many podcasts I've listened to, so many experts I speak to, and the things you say, you can tell you've been through the healing process. And that fills me up with joy. Not that you had to go through that, but the fact that you've been through it because now you're more self-aware, your perspective's different, you're living with gratitude, which is which is fantastic. Um, and I and I hundred percent agree with embracing adversity. For anyone listening to this, when you're in the midst of it, I understand you you're overwhelmed, you think this is the worst thing in the world. How do I come out of this? How do other people cope? And all these thoughts go through it. But it is in the hindsight when you reflect back that you find the blessings, you find the lessons, you find the things that actually make you you, that make you resilient. You could have turned around and there's a brilliant quote called hurt people, hurt people. And it sometimes explains why the uh, abuse cycle or the trauma cycle continues. 
for example, if somebody abuses someone, they, they then go on to abuse somebody else. What's fascinating with your story is, yes, you, you were once a hurt people, but then you've switched that and you've gone into service. You've gone into service and trying to be kind, trying to be brave, like you mentioned earlier. And that's what I always try and encourage my guests and I try and do myself as best as possible. I try and come from a place of service, of genuine, authentic service, because I know what it's like to have your world turned upside down or not have the things that you've worked so hard for or like you mentioned so well somebody else affecting your life through no fault of your own you just happen to be in that situation or in that experience and somebody's taken over but then you said it so perfectly it's you're not responsible for the pain caused so, although you're not responsible sorry for the pain that others have caused on you you're responsible for how you deal with that which 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 is massively like just learning that if you take anything away from this is is so so powerful but again i i was writing notes throughout this i've got i was typing them actually because it's quicker because there's so many things and i want to actually put these in the show notes and i want to sit on these for a bit i don't normally do that but i'm conscious that i don't just want to regurgitate everything you're saying in a, in a blubbering way in a blabbering way whatever the word is and just not giving it the value and the authenticity trying to get my words out authenticity that it deserves because what you've just delivered there is horrific stories it's it's traumatic it's 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 something i'm so grateful you shared again because we mentioned that when you tell the story sometimes you have to relive it so i'm so so thankful for that but i, I know it's going to massively help people um i want to just kind of end the show and again please do check the show notes because it's going to have incredible links to a lot of the wisdom that you you've spoken but I want to just take it to a slightly happy place because you, when I see you and before we even had the conversation, before I even knew about your actual story, um, we just used to speak, I think on Instagram, on Facebook, and you were always the person who you see the person's post or the video, it makes you smile. I think even during lockdown, you were doing dancing videos and I am like the worst dancer in the world, but I was watching it and I was smiling. Um, I seen you on Instagram when you had your entrepreneurial business and I find it even more inspiring now how that entrepreneurial journey started for you as well through all the trials and tribulations that you had to go through in selling your jewellery. Um, I, I can't remember the exact name. I think it's like N-U-Q-I or something. Was it jewellery? It's called Nuki Jewellery. And it's, it's handmade jewellery made from this. Um, so it's like a community of single mothers. So, you know, I try to support single mothers and with my family and friends we gather together and we do sort of micro charities to support and help single mothers that are in challenging situations it's like i had to support my two nephews because of course it's like they are single mothers so you know is connecting with with these causes gives the meaning to my life and that is a really strong purpose you know you need to have a purpose you need to have passion for something and for me it has become well and i'm very passionate as a, as a good latina absolutely <laughs> and i had a lot of passion from for self-improvement and self-development and knowledge because in that way i can heal myself you know through knowledge i have when i have the space when i got rid of all these mm, emotions that weren't serving me anymore i gave space to do more things that i can put in use to help others so 
yeah that is um you know educating yourself and being passionate about things it, it can be very life-changing absolutely absolutely and it's definitely worth seeing so i'm gonna put all that stuff in the show notes as well but tell us about a day in the life of your life today um because i know you do stuff that's so uplifting it's not the stuff we we've obviously spoken about on on this particular episode but i think it's important for people to understand that even if you go through a tenth of what diana has gone through that you can still come out the other side you can still find passion for something you can still find something that gets you out of bed I think every single one of us, regardless of our adversity, can be grateful for something right now or regardless of whatever cards we've just been dealt. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tough time for everyone in the world now. I think every single person is finally having that feeling of even the people who were probably more fortunate and never faced adversity thinking, wow, this is tough. This is a very tough environment. So we need people like the diners of the world. We need these people to give us hope. You give me hope. I, I can't explain how much hope you give me that I... I've been through a lot. I always feel stronger in hindsight, having come out the other side. I always have a perspective shift. I always learn more. But I also am so fearful of things happening to my, my siblings, to my parents. I'm very fortunate they're both around, uh, to my wife, to my best friends, to to friends like yourself, to anyone in the like Find Your Voice family. It, it, it gives me like a horrible fear, like a sinking feeling. And you know, you mentioned the throat thing. When I think about it, I don't like it. But I know that God forbid that ever happens, I will find the strength, I will find the resilience and it's through connection with people like yourselves and listening to your lessons that I can come out of that. So anyway, that's enough from me. We want to hear from you. What, just give us a day in the life of Diana and then also tell us the best place that we can follow you and maybe connect with you. I would love the audience to connect with you. Um, well, I just want to say one last thing. Um, this is how I get a lot of my strengths when I'm going through a tough situation is that the way I see things is like someone else is going through a worse situation. So when I think that way, it may my pain be more at ease. And when you said that it's really like, I don't know if you saw one of my posts when I was in Germany, I would walk across these um funeral plays where they have these tiny urns and it made me think about how afraid are we of mortality when is the only thing that we have you know is the only sure thing we have so and always and because i lost my mom and i lost my sister and i had lost some of the people that i love it has made me uh, when someone dies yes it's really upsetting and, and grieving and but it always made me feel really grateful for, for at least having them in my life and that is the way we need to see things when people go so that my day so i wake up at 7 30 i do half an hour of meditation so I'm lately doing this Joe Dispenza type of meditation. I don't I know. Love if Joe you Dispenza. Have... Absolutely love it. Oh my God. <laughs> and thanks to Helen, big shout out to her because she was the one who recommended me him. 
and it's been also quite life changing. And then I, I spend all the morning in myself. I have the opportunity to do that. So after that, I do my journal. So I write three things that I'm grateful for, and write three things that what could make my day better. And then at the end, I write what were the things that really helped my day to be good and what I can improve. So I do a little journaling. I journal a lot of my emotions because we women, we live in a cyclic life. Life We're more, well, we're cyclic. You guys are not. So you don't have all these hormones and emotions kicking in. And I sometimes so feel I, like I get that, but yeah. <laughs> my boyfriend is quiet. which is not bad because it means that you are very in contact with your feminine side which is not bad so good for that um and then i would do some stretching because i suffer from something um that it gets my muscles really stiff so i'm all the time with a lot of um pain in my body so i do a lot of stretching um, I love exercising. Uh, it has been, I think, this is something that has saved my life. Exercise and my mental health. Exercising and super disciplined with it. Doesn't matter where I am, and always say something with me. Um, so, and then I start working on admin stuff, or you know, I need to properties, so I'm looking at things, so I sell things on eBay. Um, I love cooking my own food and really into biohacking, uh, which is something that is to optimize your health. Um, so, you know, I'm learning all the time about micro and micronutrients and all that. So I had hundreds of books. I read quite a lot. I read at least two, three hours a day. Um, so yeah, that's I I practice something called the circadian rhythm where I track my sleep. So I get up at seven thirty and I try to go to bed at least at ten p.m. So at night time I then again do some more meditation. I will do some work in between, but right now I'm in a really blessed place, which is um thanks to my partner and allowed to do more of what I'm passionate about. Because last year, I, I had to stop doing um, the, the therapies because I developed arthritis. And like, you know, it's like when you don't express your emotions, I'm telling you, it shows on your body. And when you abuse your body, because I was overworking my body for, because I wanted to ignore all these emotions. Um, but yeah, it's very liberating when you can come into terms with all those because you leave more space for new things. So yeah, that, that's pretty much me. Um, I practice something that has been life-changing. If you're suffering from trauma, if you're suffering from PTSD, if you're suffering from anxiety, I highly recommend it. I know it's not a fit-all type of thing, but it's something that is not very mainstream. And it's called emotional freedom technique. And this is something that really works. So is, for example, like an acupressure type of, and you say some statements. So it's neurolinguistic. So it's 
a good pressure with a with a talk therapy um and it has worked so well in me it has worked well for my needs with sexual abuse it also works um so yeah it's like there's so many things out there that of course it's like I, I i have friends that they said but meditation is doesn't work for me well there's some kind of meditation that will help you and the beauty about meditation is that is the only moment that you are on your own with your crazy mind you know it's like sometimes i can't and i just have to put relaxing music because my mind goes like thousand miles per hour um so yeah when you are a hyper person you really need to channel that energy somehow so yeah that is pretty much my story and i really hope that people will find some sort of benefit and uh, they will become more comfortable about telling the uncomfortable stories and situations like for example the sexual abuse thing is something i really want to target because it's not fair for a child to grow up with this type of trauma because they don't know so is having this conversation with your children and you know making them aware that there's evil people out there unfortunately so you know it's like having these difficult situations eh, conversations that we need to create awareness around us absolutely absolutely thank you so much for sharing that i just want to quickly say that obviously dr joe dispenser somebody i advocate for i think his work's incredible my wife's i think her favorite book is actually breaking the habit of being yourself by joe dispenser as well one of, one of the absolute greatest books I've, I've listened to it twice um i will just put that in the show notes if anyone's interested i think a lot of our problems are caused by the way you know we process things and we take in our thoughts and our experiences and how we perceive them so if you can if you can understand that and we can almost rewire it um, it, it just it just makes living that much more happy, that much more fulfilled because you see the beauty in the world rather than you know the, the travesties and the adversities. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna link everything in relation to connecting with yourself. Obviously, you know we're friends across everything. You are literally more than part of the Find Your Voice family. I only wish you all the success moving forward. Um, I'm just so grateful that we've obviously connected on a deeper level because we've kind of just been social media friends um, and i feel i feel so grateful that you've been so open with me in terms of your sharing your story and stuff and more so with the listeners of this show as well and i'm just i'm i'm excited for them to find power strength courage bravery from your episode i, I truly believe that and i just want to thank you from wherever you are now because you're always traveling as well this this lady travels so much you need to follow her honestly it's like it's exciting because, but you might feel a little bit sad thinking oh, i wish i could travel as well but you're always doing amazing things you're always experiencing wonderful great things and um, but from wherever you are thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for taking part today thank you so much for having me i feel extremely honored to be able to have a voice and to find my voice in your program and to tell for the first time ever my and edited story pretty much so thank you so much for having me and thank you for what you do for sharing the stories that can connect us in a more human level yes you're so welcome you're so welcome 
And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.